Oh yeah, everybody, it is a true filibuster freestyle. We are back. We're breaking down the series finale of the HBO limited series starring Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant, The Undoing. Bringing in our buddy Dan Ruddle from Philadelphia, who turned me and Chief Marketing Officer Cindy Harrington, turned us both onto this show last week. We banged out all five episodes this week over Thanksgiving, so we had the chance to watch it in real time. The show just ended about 15 minutes ago. FilibusterFreestyle.com presents the Filibuster Freestyle, old school style, baby. Here comes the theme song, and then Dan Ruddle. Filibuster, Filibuster Freestyle. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster. Freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. All right. Theme songs in the books. Dan Ruddle. Been way too long since we had you on the podcast. From Philadelphia. Joins us. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Yeah, it's been uh, pre-pandemic since we last spoke, and, and I think the last time I saw you was at your uh, at your wedding. I think there, there were a couple seminal events that we uh, refer to fondly as the Last Supper, and your wedding and my wife's 40th birthday are two of those. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, we're glad we snuck one in, and by that I mean, you know, again, it was one of the last normal weekends uh, for us, too. And so thanks for coming, and... Um, you know, I, I look forward to seeing you and your wife again sometime, I hope, you know? and But, yeah. you know, in the interim, what we've all been sharing besides Tiger King and the pandemic are, you know, TV shows and events that we can all kind of consume, you know, at the same time. It's kind of it's kind of old school. It's, all, it's like there's only so many things people can do, so we're all kind of doing the same things these days, you know? It's kind of, I guess we'll start there. It's kind of interesting, yeah. and I, I appreciate you turning us onto the show last week so we could catch up. <laughs> In time for the finale tonight. So thanks for that. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah, it's, it was uh, it kind of you know appointment television kind of died with on demand, but you know it was kind of you know, by happenstance that my wife and I came across it. We were uh, looking for something to watch one night after our daughter went to bed, and she was like, "I heard good things about this," and we watched like three episodes the first night. Nice. Yeah, we had heard good things too, um, and we were kind of putting it off, putting it off, and then. Yeah, Cindy, I was like, hey, are you, were you telling me about The Undoing? And she said, yes. And I said, Ruddle's watching it. He said it's really good. We're in. So, yeah, so we got after it. So sometimes all you need, folks, is a little nudge. Um, yep. So here's what I want to do. We, we th- There were six episodes. We came into tonight knowing we were going to do this. I want to take you through my top eight pro- prospects for who could have been the murderer going into the final episode. Because obviously now we totally know. Okay. You're very open-minded because I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find eight people that I thought it was because I really kind of narrowed focus, but I'm interested to hear who these are. Well, these are. were me really, really trying to like take a stab in the dark because, as you know, and I'll, I'll get to it when I do number five, there was a weird theory I heard on some, some subreddit today that got me thinking maybe I can get a few more suspects. So number eight, really hot take. Spoiler alert, he wasn't the guy. Little nine-year-old Miguel Alves, the son of Elena Alves, because he did discover his mother the next day, um, and I knew he was going to factor in, and he did a little bit tonight, but no, not not the killer. Yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna. The other one that we can cross off right now without spoiling anything, as I had number seven, quote other dudes question mark because there was very randomly people saying, well, she was talking to all those guys at the uh, fundraising auction event now. That was far-fetched, and it proved to be far-fetched, which is good because that would have been a terrible angle. To some, some random guy would have been the killer that we had no idea about. 
So that was yeah, number seven. Number six, I think we get into my first actual possible suspect. Henry, the son of Jonathan and Grace Frazier. And that's because at the end of episode five, Nicole Kidman finds the murder weapon, the, the, the mallet, in the violin case of Henry. And of course, Henry's staring at her, and they cut to black, and you knew that was going to come up at the beginning of this week. So I'll stop there. Was he on your list going into tonight? Um, I don't... So I... When I saw Henry, like, Henry has seemed a little bit too much of a weenie to be able to complete or yes. to be able to, to, to perpetrate such a violent act on an adult. Fair. Um, yeah, I, I, so I, I guess I looked at it as a possibility. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I, I had a really, really hard time picturing him um, being able to pull it off. Right. Um, in fact, like, when I looked at Miguel, like, I, there was something about Miguel. You touched on him as your number. What was it? Your number eight. Number eight. Yeah. Yeah. So Miguel, like, there was something off about him. I guess just because, like, I, if I if I remember correctly, this evening was the first time you heard him speak a single word in the entire series. Am I right? I think you're right. Yeah. So there was something about him that, but like, I don't. I, to your point, I think having him at number eight, you know, if 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 you had eight spots on a, on a potential list, yeah, eight is probably the highest I would have ranked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wasn't going to go above that, you know. It, it yeah, would, it, it, would, it didn't seem likely to me. Um, so then we get into the last kind of outlandish one that I heard today, which All was right. the principal of the school of Reardon School, mm. because quote there were other dudes, maybe he was one of them. I've got it off of a, a you know an undoing Reddit subgroup, but. Frankly, hair of a call, hell of a call, and not even like red herring territory in the lead up. They really didn't give us any reason to think that he was one of the suitors of Elena Alves. He just doesn't really strike me as being interested in sleeping with one of the students' moms based on what we yeah. know about him. Is that fair? Yeah, completely fair. What, what were, when, when this particular red herring was put out there, what were some of the reasons behind it? Did they give any kind of indication as to what the the motive would have been if he were the killer? Well, they, they really... They, they, the motive would have been jealousy, okay? Okay. Um, but their thought process was the mom, Elena, was always hanging out by the school, so maybe that gave her time to have more than one kind of suitor there. Um, sure. Also... Yeah, she's, you know, the, the mother of a scholarship student, so maybe he was blackmailing her a little bit. You know, there's all kinds of little th- things like that. But really, at the end of the day, it was about jealousy. And he also was at the event. He was at the fundraiser. Maybe he saw Jonathan get into the argument with her. Maybe he followed them. Maybe he saw them intimately together. Anyway, it was Reddit. It was subreddit. Not, not, another spoiler alert, proven not to be true. Not the killer. Sure, yep. Okay. So... The next person on my list would be Nicole Kidman's character herself, Grace Frazier, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Was she on your list? Yes. She was actually, as as this evening's episode went on, she became number one on my list. Mm. What's funny about that, and I'll concur with you, is that I wrote innocent or innocent like a fox. And yeah. my thought process was she's either, and I alluded to this too, but we can get to it now, they kept doing these things where she has flashbacks of like yes. the night and the moment and then other things in life. And she was kind of right. And 
her whole deductive reasoning. It was a very vivid and specific flashback, too. Yes. It wasn't like there were multiple iterations of that flashback. It was always the same exact thing. Yes. And at the, the beginning credits, and I'll get into that in a minute, but there's a little girl with red hair in the credits, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. is this little girl clairvoyant? Like, is there some kind of backstory we're going to get about Grace, a.k.a. Nicole Kidman, that's going to be like, oh, my gosh, she's like an axe murderer. But you, yeah. know, you know what? Again, spoiler alert. You know, she wasn't, okay? No. Uh, but I don't want to get... I'm not going to give she away... She's not a hammer murderer. Not a hammer murderer, right. She is a murderer in other ways, more figurative yes. and literal. We'll get to that. <laughs> so that leaves us with three guys. Donald Sutherland's character, Grace's, mm-hmm. Grace's dad, Jonathan's father-in-law. Yep. Jonathan, who's Hugh Grant's character, who's my number one suspect. I want to get to that in a second. And then, of course, the husband of Elena, you know flimsy alibi, which they tried to poke holes in during the case, during the court trial, as well, the number two top poke holes in it. They really did, right, because little Miguel was asleep for like seven hours while his dad yeah. and his infant, infant daughter were home. The dad could have definitely slipped out, seen them together or whatever, confronted her, you know, whatever. So as they, yeah. started, as they started the show, it's always the spouse, um, you know. So anyway, that leaves us with three viable characters. Were they all on your list, Donald Sutherland? Hugh Grant yes. and Miguel's dad. Yeah. So uh, as we sat down to watch the episode, Deirdre and I were discussing. I said, you know, I think I think it's Donald. I think it's the dad. Mm. Um, I I e Donald Sutherland. Yes. Not, not Jonathan. Um, I thought it was him because I kept referring back to that episode. I believe it was episode two where he said. You should get out of town. You should go to the beach house. Yes, right. And yeah, okay. So, not wanting to give a lot away, but yes, suffice it to say, he was very, very high up on my list. Correct. So, so me too. <laughs> Do you? Is anybody on your list besides Nicole Kidman's character, who we eliminated figuratively, not literally, not the killer? Anyway, right. but Donald Sutherland. The dad of Miguel or Jonathan, a.k.a. Hugh Grant. Any other person that you felt was legit? I thought that Sylvia, the blonde-headed attorney. Yeah. I th- because there was there kept being these odd cuts to her. There was something, where right? It was yeah. Like, yeah, there was something. And then there is the clandestine uh, walk where there's clearly conversation going on, but the conversation cannot be heard. Right. Um, it, it's just kind of like dramatic you know, soundtrack music being played over the con- the the walk that she and Nicole Kidman take. Correct. In the uh, that she and Grace take, yeah. So I thought that she had. I thought it was kind of a combo, Sylvia slash um, mm. Donald Sutherland. What, and what is Donald Sutherland? Uh, Franklin. That's Franklin Reinhardt, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, I agree. So we have not officially given away the killer yet. So if you're still with us but you haven't seen the sixth and final episode folks now would be a good time to stop watch the show and come back okay spoiler alerts galore moving forward starting now okay yes so here we are beginning of the episode um I just want to say one thing before we start the choice of dream a little dream of me as the theme song terrible in general and definitely not the right one for this murder mystery series what do you think about that yeah yeah just kind of it it, it seems (coughs) Just not not all that fitting. Yeah, the show wasn't... There was no reveal by the end of the series that made me think, oh, that was subtly a good choice. It wasn't. Okay, so... Yeah. That's my one kind of cheap seat gripe. Anyway, getting into the show. So, the hammer. We learn yep. about it. We got a scene with oh, the lawyer. 
Donald Sutherland, Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's still, still, you know, kind of like, well, what the hell? I don't know. And he, he throws his own son, Henry, under the bus and says, could it have been Henry? Which squarely made me think this is going to be an interesting hour of television. Yep. What'd you make of that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's where I started to really solidify the thought process of, no, this is definitely not Jonathan. This is, I, this is where I'm really starting to key in and think that it is Grace or, and or her father or a combination of the father and mm. uh, Sylvia and, and, and Grace all together. So, because he did very effectively play that card of the sympathetic, like sort of, you know, it's not me and remain steadfastly. So, yes. Um, and I have to feel like even the crummiest of people, if they, you know, are not going to throw their kids under the bus, but you know. Correct. And that made me think, wow, that, that's going to call Nicole Kidman and Donald Sutherland's bluff a little bit. Yeah. If, if they had anything to do with it, right? So, so there's that. And then obviously, you know, Franklin, Donald Sutherland, he kind of just wants this thing over. You know, I, I wrote that down in that moment. I think he's got motive for all the reasons we've kind of gone into, right? So I just kind of didn't feel great about it. Um, so anyway, then we flash forward to the trial and they put Hugh Grant on the stage, Jonathan Frazier on, on the stand, right? And I feel like he was doing great, as he, as he is known to do, until the tuxedo was brought up. Oof, uh, yeah. and, and I feel like a phrase that I will now associate with failure is, I took the, dry, I took the tux to the dry cleaners on the way to Lake George. Because... Yeah. Because the wry smile and the S-eating grin that the DA had at that moment made me feel like there might be an ace up her sleeve, which at the moment, actually, there wasn't. But I thought that would be something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that... Here's what I want to say, too. I don't want... I didn't want Jonathan to not be the killer because I liked him. I wanted him to not be the killer because that'd be boring. Um... Precisely, and, and and so we'll get into that. But but then I'm thinking, man, the tuxedo like that, that's not it's not a good look, you know. But then they did a really good job because they called Miguel on the stand, and Miguel basically cops to, I was asleep for nine hours, and yeah, my parents fought, and yeah, I told one of my teachers. And actually, to be honest, when he said that, I'm like, oh my god, maybe the principal did do it. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't. Um, yeah. But so I thought they did a really good job there. Now. Let's go back to the point you made a minute ago. You talked about the phone call that Grace made to Sylvia, and then they went for a walk. But the most important thing is the now very dated 2019 Skype call. (laughs) Because Skype, I don't know how you blow a 28-3 lead to Zoom, but you did. Oh, Um, oh boy, did that. Skype from Jonathan's mother in England and basically goes on to tell... Nicole Kidman, that Hugh Grant's a sociopath, always has been, didn't even mourn the death of his sister, which was basically his fault. Couldn't have cared less, yep. And that, to me, was kind of like, if this wasn't him, that's an amazing red herring. And I was very excited about that being the red herring. And then they found the mallet and the kid's thing, and I'm like, is the kid a sociopath? Is Donald Sutherland a sociopath? Is Nicole Kidman a sociopath? Me wanting it to be anybody but Chimes Jonathan, right? Yep. That's what I wanted. Okay. 
And then we have the phone call and the meeting, the weird meeting in the restroom of Sylvia and the DA. What were you? Ta- what yeah, were you- what was that? that, that it, it, it was odd because it was like you didn't see them really exchange any kind of information. It was just like the the prosecutor seemed pissed off at her because she seemed to be for lack of a better term, adding sort of like side counsel to Jonathan and Grace. Right. Um, and she just seemed to like, oh, this is a law school acquaintance of mine who I've now, you know, she's now on my bad list because she's, you know, trying to help out the person that I'm prosecuting. Right. And then the um, main, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, but, but so it, it was just, I, I thought it was kind of odd because did I remember correctly that it happened before the, phone call slash walk with Grace and and Sylvia? It did, right? It was before that, right? No, so I think it was just after. So I think what happened oh, was, was, I think, and this is, and it's all related, which is great. So it's great you bring it up because Nicole Kidman makes that call and says, can you meet for a walk and I need you to do something for me. And so, okay. and so, and so then the timing was, then Hugh Grant has an awesome performance in the stand, you know, and then, right. and then Miguel goes up there and basically gives an, a, a, a sliver of a, you know, a, a shadow of a doubt that it could yeah. have been somebody else. And I feel like that's when Sylvia went to the restroom, essentially, at the, at the recess, found the DA. And basically, right, they left this kind of hanging like that was just an awkward exchange. But clearly that was a, hey, Nicole Kidman wants to do Hugh Grant dirty and I'm going to give you everything you friggin' need. Yeah, because essentially that's that's what happens is yeah I, yeah yeah I mean that, that that's clearly the, what happened. I just didn't know if it happened. I, yeah, my, my sequencing of the conversation in the bathroom versus the conversation that happened is there the, as Nicole Kidman, you know, Grace and Sylvia are taking the walk through Central Park. Um, I guess was a little bit off. So if if that conversation in the bathroom happened subsequent to that. Hundred percent. That's exactly where that happened. I think that that con- that the the unspoken conversation that we're alluding to, i.e., hey, this you know Nicole uh, Grace is relatively certain that her husband did this and wants to do him in. Um, with this will be your opportunity, and here are the things that you should ask her right. specifically about. To f him over, right? And here's the key. And here's the key moment: is that she had the conversation with Henry, Nicole Kidman. Sorry, had the conversation. Grace had the conversation with Henry, her son, about well, what do you want? You know, your dad get off or not? Do you think we want to be a family again or not? And at the end of it, she says, "I just want what's best for you." Right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah. what's best for you is getting that kind of person potentially out of your life if they really are a sociopath. So, what's interesting is she convinces Haley, the lawyer. And Hugh Grant, her husband, Jonathan Frazier, hey, yeah. I don't think he's capable of doing this, and I will testify on behalf of the defense, which is very key, because she can hang him up to dry, and they can't throw the witness out, apparently, according to this show, at least, because she's basically unknowingly giving the DA everything that she needs to convict. Um, I question a right. lot of it. I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like when the judge is like, we're not throwing the trial out, yeah, that trial gets thrown out, or... Guess what? On appeal, he probably gets it thrown out because um, of spousal privilege. But anyway, it turns out that the real bait and switch of this show is is kind of this, uh, you know, 
Columbo moment by Nicole Kidman's character of, I'm going to screw you over with like your permission. You know what I mean? Um, yep. You're going to give me the audience to go up there and, and hang you out to dry, which is great if you don't like sociopathic murderers or adulterers and bad, bad people. Awesome. Great stuff. However, it wasn't really the excitement I was looking for in the, in the, in the resolution of the show. No. I mean, it, what's the movie with Ed Norton in it where he's uh, he plays oh, the guy? Primal with, Fear, is that it? Maybe. Is it Primal Fear or is it Fear? Fear is Marky Mark. Two movies pr- I think it's Primal Fear. I think Richard Gere was in it, right? Yes. Yeah, Primal yeah. Fear, I'm almost positive. It's essentially Primal Fear that doesn't end with Ed Norton being acquitted. Yes. Because it was the same sort of, you know, the the... The argument that you know the, the the guy who does a really really good job playing this sort of sympathetic role of like yeah like I might have done things wrong in my life but I'm not a killer right which is kind of like the most overused <laughs> premise of all time in these murder mysteries and yeah you know I was I I'm I'm, I'm glad that they went for a Kaiser Sose moment there they just didn't get it yeah. You know, like, when the wheels are turning in The Usual Suspects for the first time, and you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> Kevin Spacey doesn't even limp. He is Kaiser, yep. so to say. They had him the whole time. This wasn't that. You know, it, like, it, it was an attempt at that. And, again, I'm glad we got our guy, but you know what? Like, we had our guy from the beginning, and, you, uh, again, it was a nice six hours of my life. Yeah. But, but I wish it could have been a little juicier. And then the I word, was looking for more of a payoff and more of a, oh, that's an angle I was not thinking of. Right. And then instead of that, they gave us a little bit of a I, – because I literally wrote, as, as things were unfolding, I wanted more twists and turns than a narcissist saying I didn't do it in a really believable way. Right? And then they were like, oh, well, here's the road trip. And, and instead of going to court, the victim's going to flee with his son – and they're going to drive towards a bridge, and then they're going to kind of make me think, oh, like, is this Die Hard? This is a thriller. By the way, Donald Sutherland and Nicole Kidman are allowed in the helicopter. Okay, that seems normal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're then, they're jumping, to, then they're, they're jumping the shark. They're trying to make it exciting, but they're jumping the shark. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it, I don't know about you, but I thought that as he started speeding toward that bridge, he was just going to drive right off. Which, and, honestly, I was like, I don't want this to happen, but at the end of the day, that would be a shocking ending. Which yeah. I'd be here for. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a, bu- a bummer because a kid would have died. Correct, and I get, I get that, you know. And so, but but a couple things. Let's break this down. So number one, they basically had to show us how crappy of a guy he was because they did such a good job of him being sympathetic for five and a half episodes. Yep. So they basically take us through the murder scene and take it through him being, you know, a complete sociopath with his son trying to like. Go get oysters in Albany, you know. Um, so Who the hell gets oysters in Albany, by the way? Exactly, and that's nobody, right? I've been to Albany a number of times, and there is not a single place that I would go to get oysters in Albany. If there are any capital region New York uh, filibuster freestyle fans listening right now, I would love to be proven wrong. Yeah, please. If there are good oyster houses, please shoot us a note somehow. Hit us up at, you know, at filibuster freestyle on Twitter or Instagram. Please let us know. Uh, and we, I, we will yeah, do a, we, we will do a giant mea culpa on the oyster industry in Albany, New York, if we need to, but I don't think we do. Um, <laughs> it could be the non-official uh, oyster house sponsor of the freestyle. Yeah, shoot. I'll make them the official sponsor if they're real. So, 
So there's that. And then, then of course, they get us to the him going to jump, and then is he going to drag his son over the bridge, and then Nicole Kidman gets there, and then he still thinks he can, like, talk his way out of it. Fine. It was all fine. Actually, I'm glad they took us in that little twist a little bit, but, like, still just wanted it to be something, like you said, a little bit more creative. Um, yeah. Two hot takes. Two hot takes. One. Yeah, I wanted I wanted more. One. Yeah, sorry. No, I totally agree with you. Do the does the family owe the bail bondsman or whomever the state the extra eight million dollars in the bail because technically Jonathan did flee. That's going to piss Franklin off a lot. Donald Sutherland is not happy. No, but I mean with that with, with the the apartment he's got overlooking Central Park, I think eight million bucks probably isn't that significant to him. But I agree, I and mean, they probably don't. Uh, they probably won't owe it either. Um, yeah, boy, that's that's a great question. I'd love to see a I'd love to see a follow up addendum to the and show like, if that, these, that delves into what happens. To the, right, and if to these the cops, if these cops and these folks are so good at their job, why is he allowed to show up on his own reconnaissance on the day of sentencing? Yeah, right. Come on, man. Where where he's clearly where it's clearly been blown that it's like right. Ooh. Like he has access to the Range Rover and his son, and they're just like, oh, we're gonna go to court, and son, go to school. Yeah, and, and where the hell was Henry that morning? That he was he was he with Franklin at the house? Was he with Grace? Like yeah, he was with Franklin at the house, and then he, he was left just him. like by himself, and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. Way too coincidental, especially for what Grace just did to him the day before, which totally did him dirty, right? And yeah. again, rightfully so, but, you know. Deserved she, to be done dirty. But totally. Still, it was done dirty. Not arguing with him getting done dirty, but he got done dirty. He's a narcissist. He's going to try to get you back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then my other hot take is Donald Sutherland's eyebrows are a character of their own. Wow. Yeah. O- amazing. Yeah. Like, he's, oof. And I guess my question is. Because I saw, I saw a picture of Donald Sutherland, I think, doing one of the behind-the-scenes on the show on one of the first episodes. He, in real life, rocks a, a very tremendous beard. So I can't remember if his eyebrows kind of go with the Santa Claus beard or did he grow the eyebrows out for the character of Franklin. The world might never know, but we're talking about it for at least 35 seconds. Yeah. I mean, they were a true work of art. He looks kind of like one of those birds that, like, the what do they call them an egret yes so like the white birds that you see like kind of walking in the salt marsh picking up that has like the, the big things over their eyes it was wild look yeah it was a hell of a look um, by the way shout out to Donald Sutherland still doing it in his mid 80s good for you man yeah yep. but I definitely thought he had more potentially to do with this thing so I did too because he had like he he had some he you know, he was the one that suggested to them to go to that beach house. Yes. And I was thinking, like, hmm, that's, that feels to me like there's something up there that yes. he's trying to get rid of. And he, and he also, I don't even know if you remember this, in the first episode, he left the part, he left that fundraiser yep. for the school right after they got uh, that. Elena did, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, oh, they definitely, they definitely laid it on. Oh, and they also laid on pretty thick that, that he did not like his son-in-law. He did not like Jonathan. So, so clearly, made some pretty violent threats to him too. Correct. So, like, if if anybody wanted to put their son-in-law away, that would have been a potential situation for it. You know what I mean? Um, so there's that. So, so then I guess the last thing I want to bring up can't really do a podcast about this show without bringing it up. 
And it all makes sense afterwards, but how random was the behavior of Eleanor at that first auction committee meeting when she... Oh, my God. You know, basically, in you know, breastfed her child, which ironically was Nicole Kidman's husband's love child. Yeah. Right in front of the whole group. And so you're thinking, like, what's this lady's deal? Um, and then, of course, we learn what her deal is, and it makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah. But what was her, like, end game? I mean, you know, like... I think she was trying to... I think she was getting frustrated and wanted more from Jonathan. Yeah. And when he kind of pushed back on that, she started to push the boundaries and try to get a little bit closer to Grace and, like, insert her into her life to just F with him. Yeah, for sure. It was a real, like... Uh, she, yeah. Hand rocks the cradle. Had, you know, a real, a real, yeah. real Rebecca D. Mornay move, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if she had any sort of endgame of eventually outing him as a cheater and like, oh, by the way, this is like, this is your your husband's love child. But like, uh, yeah, the that scene and then the scene in the in the the, the health club bathroom or on the bathroom oh yeah, the, that's the right, room. that's like, right. That was that was wild stuff. It was wild stuff. Um, and actually, that just that that not that part, but I just wanted to bring up one last thing about this show. As soon as you find out that your child oncologist hero doctor husband has been unemployed for three weeks for being inappropriate with multiple patients' moms, that yeah. probably should have been game, set, match for the series right there because that's pretty darn damning. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so was that the case, though? Was it multiple people or was it just Eleanor? Well, it sounds like, number one, it was multiple warnings, but I feel like it was multiple... Uh, there were multiple instances. Yeah. Okay. And it seems like the other moms or whatever, the other the other people that were involved, did the did the typical thing, which were they, you know, they receded back into the their own family lives, and obviously, Elena really wanted more. To your point a few minutes ago, so yeah, you know, old Hugh wasn't counting on that one, as they say. Totally yeah. worth it, though. I'm really glad we watched it. I'm glad that we were able to do a pod yeah. about it. I mean, it's you know, it's all good. I just. To your point earlier, I, I wanted a little bit more imagination. I didn't know where it was going to come from. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking back to our days of doing the uh, the night after, or I'm sorry, the night of podcast a, right. a few summers ago. Right. And just like, like I kept trying to look into things and like dig deeper. I remember like the exhaustive amount of time I spent like obsessing over the angles of stuff on the deer head in that show. And I'm just <laughs> like, there wasn't... I, I couldn't really hang my hat on anything because there was very little about the murder scene of the of this uh, of, of where the woman died. It was just like all they ever showed was like just the the pulled back shot of her laying on the floor. Correct. So yeah, they didn't give like, you I, I, yeah they didn't give you a whole lot there, but yeah, uh, I, yeah, it, it, like you said. It was a decent, a decent series. What did you think of Detective Mendoza? Did you find him to be a bit smarmy and kind of like, like I, I didn't care for him. Yeah, I was going to say very unlikable for a guy who, by the end of it, is just doing his job. You know what I mean? But yeah. but the way he did his job, that again, they portrayed him like that as a choice. I'm guessing they. I think what they needed to do is have us not like so many people involved because. Uh, they needed us to like Hugh Grant because the answer was literally the first post answer, which was Hugh Grant killed this lady, you know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. yeah, a bit of an Occam Razor type scenario. But I agree with you. He was not very likable. Um, that that no. char- that play- that character as a, as a as a investigator. So I don't know, man. But worth it, you know, worth it overall. So we'll take it. Yeah. Hey, real quick. So the husband Fernando is that was that the same actor as Grey Worm from Game of Thrones? I don't think it was, but I'm, I also don't feel comfortable saying it wasn't. But um, you know, it could have been because honestly. Grey Worm spoke the- so few lines over the course of the Game of Thrones, you know, dynasty that honestly, if it were, if, if that gentleman is Grey Worm, tip of the cap. And if he's not, tip of the cap. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't even think about it. So regardless, he really absorbed into this new character, Fernando, because I never once thought, oh, that's Grey Worm. Yeah. Good, good question. Okay. We can confirm that or not at, at a later date. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I don't think it bears doing another pod about it. Oh, probably not. But you never know. Thought. You never know. <laughs> but I will say this. I will tease this now. We are uh, coming up on our annual NFL playoffs as something characters, and we'll, we'll, oh. we'll, we'll figure out what that is. I will say this though. Um, I'm probably going to need to have you on before that, just to just to. I want America, to, and I don't want to do it tonight. I want it to be its own thing. I want America yeah. to hear from you on what it is like to be a an NFC East team season ticket holder during COVID in which your division is an absolute open flaming dumpster fire. And somehow uh, the two teams that everybody said were left for dead in, in a left for dead division are now tied for first place. Yeah. It's wild. Oh, and it's going to be, it's going to be one of those two teams because the Eagles. So, and again, we there, we this, this deserves its own podcast, but they, I believe Jalen Hurts is getting a decent number of reps as the with the starters. Wow! So I think that there's a chance that he plays tomorrow night. Wow! Peterson's been on record saying that Wentz is the quarterback, but if the Eagles have seen what they've seen out of Carson Wentz and still believe that Jalen Hurts would not be an upgrade over that, then he was a complete waste of a second round draft pick. Yeah, right. So we're going to find out, maybe. But anyway, we'll, let's let's do a pod in the next, well, probably in the next 14 days or so, because this is going to shake out. Sure, yeah. But anyway, yeah. so we'll, we got we got a couple on the docket then for, for, for uh, the end of football season here, Dan. But uh, yeah. th- thanks for introducing me to this show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, great My job, pleasure. as always. And stick around. We'll catch up. Everybody else, filibuster freestyle. Thanks for listening. It's an old school, breaking down some HBO filibuster for y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. Dan, thanks for being on, my man. Thank you, Gav. Good to talk to you.